aloha from Maui, Hawaii, and Happy New Year today for those of us listening live and participating live in Sunday's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. It's January 2nd, the second day of a new year, a new decade actually, a brand new decade, the second decade of the 21st century. So here we go off and running. What does that mean? Well, usually the new year, much less a new decade, is a good time for resolutions. New Year's resolutions. This is a tradition as old as calendars itself. What better time to turn a new leaf, to start a new chapter, so to speak, in your life, to make some commitments to yourself. That's the title of the class today on New Year's resolutions. Commitments to yourself and have perhaps a better understanding after our discussion today of the disparity between what you're doing and what you say you want to be doing instead. And why is there that disparity? And then what can we do about it? Understanding ourselves better certainly would help, but then what other skills or tools do we have can we pull upon to increase the likelihood that we're going to follow through? And that's basically what I wanted to talk about today. That and uh, wish you again a happy new year. I hope your Christmas and solstice and Hanukkah, Kwanzaa holidays were all wonderful and that you enjoyed yourself. We had a special solstice this year with a full moon on the date of the solstice. And that was pretty remarkable. It was cloudy where we are. We were not able to see it, but just up the road a piece, people saw it. And lots of places in the United States were able to see it. And it was, uh, others even feel it. It was uh, a remarkable energy that night. And I feel really good about this new year um, for a lot of reasons. I just am optimistic and enthusiastic that we're uh, picking up speed in a sense in terms of the development of human consciousness. I've watched it all of my life. It used to be I kept my fingers crossed and just sort of hoped and prayed that people were waking up and that things as a result would get better. Uh, I had a big serving or helping of that a couple of years ago when um, Barack Obama was running on what was then a much more liberal platform uh, than what he's been able to accomplish. But nevertheless, the idea that working women and men in this country and young people could put a person of color with somewhat progressive ideas into the White House was uh, huge. It was just really big. And whatever Barack Obama accomplishes or fails to accomplish, um, given the structure of the Congress and the Supreme Court, um, it's always going to be a very significant period in our history, a watershed moment where people with progressive ideas, those of us who want things to be better, uh, can prevail. And certainly the wind is at our back. Things are getting better. They must. It's in the nature of evolution. Um, 
<laughs> evolution is such an obvious thing that even among really rigid Orthodox church people, I find it hard to believe that there are people that still don't recognize it. The fact that uh, the flu is different every year or that you keep catching a cold, which your body has already developed antibodies to fight and resist. So why do you keep, quote, catching a cold or getting the flu bug? Well, because they're evolving, <laughs> because disease mutates, it's obvious. Uh, the fruit fly experiments that so many of us did in high school or college, uh, using fruit flies because they, uh, they mate and reproduce so quickly, it's a really short turnaround. Forget the period of gestation, but it's just a, a few weeks. So you can very easily experiment in the genetics of fruit flies. It's been hundreds of years since Mendel did that with peas. Well, not only does the physical species evolve, not only is every animal and, and plant, and therefore humans as well, evolving and unfolding that creation that took God six days and on the seventh he rested well that creation continued Monday morning and uh, is ongoing it's a universe that's expanding uh, each of us growing and learning new things and not only does the physical species evolve but our conscious awareness evolves as well and that's what I want to address most fundamentally in this first program of this new year, and indeed this new decade. Um, today's January 2nd, 2011, as we do this live. And that's the idea that for all the growth around us, we can accelerate consciously the growth of consciousness. That many people believe, and I guess I'm one of them, that one of the primary implications of being referred to as having been made in the image of the Creator is our ability to reflect upon our thoughts. And I'd like you to do exactly that right now. Reflect upon the thoughts that come up as I say the phrase, reflect upon your thoughts. To turn your attention to your mental nature and watch the thought stream whether you apply it to a particular task like figuring out a problem balancing your checkbook uh, ordering from a menu reading a train schedule or whether you sit back and just experience that stream of consciousness so-called that mental drift that that train of thought that just goes chugging along as if you're now a passenger on the train and the thoughts are carrying you through the present moment from the past and into the future. That's certainly the way most people see it. The ability to mindfully detach, to set back and watch that process is a major leap in our ability to accelerate the growth or the evolution of consciousness, of awareness, of how, how smart you really are. 
based not so much on the knowledge that you've attained as on the understanding of what do you do with that knowledge and the perspective, the point of awareness or consciousness that we can move into with essentially relaxation. This is the secret of the key ultimately you're going to have to manage to practice some sort of relaxation response as an antidote to the automatic or autonomic fight-or-flight response that most of us live in because we're overstimulated, because we try to do too much, because too much is often expected of us. And uh, we just try too hard, which causes us in many cases to do worse. Because the harder we try, the worse we do. We just burden ourselves and overload ourselves. So we try even harder and do even worse and try even harder and do even worse. And that even speaks to the New Year's resolution I want to talk about today. Hold on a sec here. Christmas coffee. I think before we talk about New Year's resolutions and commitments to the self in this new year, we should talk about reflecting upon why we want to make the change. Who are we doing this for and why? Is your urgency to change this behavior or that behavior motivated by what's really best for you or by what you think other people want for you or believe you should have or do? A couple examples. If in this new year, you decide that one of your declarations, your commitments to yourself, is going to be that you're going to stop smoking cigarettes. All right, well, that's something that would please other people. But clearly, that's, a, that's something that's going to benefit you. There's, there's no um, benefit at all to smoking cigarettes. Uh, used to be at least you looked cool. And in movies, it created a sense of action when there was intrigue or romance or high drama and that tension was building, there was no action. You could always have the smoke curling up off the end of that cigarette to create the drama. And even today, <laughs> oh, there's a lot of smoking in movies for that very reason. Well, that teaches people that it's cool. It's, it's not cool anymore. Uh, smoking does reduce stress, but here's the catch, only for 20 to 30 minutes. And then it comes back. <laughs> and a lot of the benefits of stress management that come from smoking, you could get from just slow, deep inhaling. It's that slow, deep breathing that has a lot to do with the relaxation that you get 
from smoking a cigarette. But it is a central nervous system depressant. At the same time, there are chemicals in tobacco that stimulate you, that work in both directions. Um, so there is a stress benefit, a chemical or chemically-based stress benefit from smoking a cigarette, but again, it only lasts for 20 or 30 minutes. That's part of why it's so addicting, because it does work. You know, geez, i got to have a cigarette, i got to relax, right, and give me a cup of coffee full of caffeine. It's a funny thing. <laughs> it's a funny thing that we do, right, uh, amping up and calling it relaxing. But uh, with tobacco, it is a little confusing and contradictory because you do have the relaxing effect of the slow, deep breathing, uh, those initial inhalations, whether they carry tobacco or not. And then even though tobacco can be a stimulant, it is also a central nervous system depressant. But those chemicals wear off quickly. And the addictive nature is obvious. And we all know the health consequences now. You just can't quit too soon. I think clearly, if that uh, is your New Year's resolution, um, fine, no question. If, on the other hand, your New Year's resolution, and this is uh, also popular and common, is to lose weight, I would say here's a good example, much better than the tobacco example where the benefits are clear. Here's, an exa- here, here's a case. I want to lose 20 pounds, 15 pounds, 10 pounds, 5 pounds, whatever. Who are you doing that for, I think, is a uh, an important question to ask yourself. Who are you really doing it for? Um, there are children now as young as 8 years old that are obsessing on diets and how they look. And certainly, to some degree, there are benefits in that, health benefits, benefits to one's esteem, self-esteem, and and their self-confidence and the way you look. But there's also a, a point of diminishing return where it's an unhealthy thing to be excessively concerned about how you look. And uh, we have eating disorders that sometimes can contradict each other. The whole idea of a binge and a purge, for example, is a bizarre behavior that you would overeat knowing that you're going to purge it and purge it knowing that that's setting yourself up to binge in the future. It's it's bizarre and contradictory. It's paradoxical. And so when I talk about pausing to look a little deeper, there are these unconscious motives, this uh, secondary agenda that all of us have on virtually everything in our life is complex and convoluted and can be and often should be peeled away like layers of an onion to look more deeply at your motives look more deeply at your identity. Identity and motive. If you're a note taker, write those two things down. Uh, Who am I? Identity. 
And why am I doing this? Your motive. Those, <laughs> those are perpetually big questions in your life. Who am I? Who am I doing this for? Right? That's where it crosses over. Who am I and why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? What is really motivating me here? Yeah, well, what's behind that? Well, okay, then, what's behind that? And you sort of daisy-chain your way back. You see, this is what reflection does. It's not deductive so much as it is just looking emotionally in terms of your EQ, your emotional intelligence, and your emotional management skills at what really drives us. Emotion, energy in motion. What is the force? If thoughts are energy, emotional feelings are the force behind the energy. Why do you care? Okay, this is, I remember somebody, on more than one occasion, I'm thinking of one in particular, a, a fellow that, called uh, one of my radio shows and uh, started complaining about how I was always accusing people of having a hidden agenda. And I remember saying, well, they do. <laughs> uh, hopefully I said, we do. That's just our nature. We're not that conscious. Many of the reasons for behaving as we do, we are not aware of. Our conscious awareness has not evolved or unfolded or developed to the point that we realize that the reason I'm doing this is just part of the story, that there's another reason behind that, and then another reason behind that. And this is the... the very subjective, it's very intimate and personal. This is how you come to understand yourself, sort of reverse engineer yourself by daisy-chaining in states of deep reflection, deep relaxation and meditation. You can't do it when your mind is full or your heart is heavy. You have to still the body, quiet the mind, calm the emotional nature, to be able to look at, well, why do I feel this way? Why do I behave this way? Why do I care? Who do I really want to lose this weight for? And is it really that important right, to torture myself? Is this a matter of health, a top priority? Or is this a matter of appearance and image? Important, but not as important a priority as your health. And that includes your mental as well as your physical health. And if you're going to torment yourself mentally, you see, that can't be good for yourself either. So to take a look before we chase these hobgoblins that we call goals or resolutions, declarations, before we make these commitments to ourselves, let's pause for a second and examine why do I want to create this change? Is it really in my best interest? Right? Is this really going to 
am I doing this for me? Or am I doing it for other people? Uh, I saw somebody posting on the internet on uh, some blog. I think it may have been Facebook, actually. Um, a statement about uh, putting other people ahead of yourselves and thinking about other people instead of yourself. And this is uh, this is an important value of kindness and, and generosity and tolerance that leads to compassion and forgiveness. But unsaid in that is that it has to come without strings attached. And this is a this is another area where we have to look carefully and deeply. When we do for other people, are we expecting something in return? In other words, if the reason I want to lose this weight is to impress somebody, I'm doing it for them, what do I expect in return? Because maybe you succeed at losing the weight, and maybe that results in impressing. You actually accomplished what you wanted. You impressed this other person. But you had a string attached. You had an agenda and thought, and therefore, this is going to happen for me. Right? And that doesn't happen. That last step doesn't happen. And you get bitter and angry. It's like the basic Buddhism, the first two noble truths. Uh, Life is suffering. And number two, it's our desire for things to be other than they are that sets us up for that suffering in the first place. Number three is stop doing that. And number four is here's how. (laughs) Uh, That's Buddhism in a nutshell right there. And here's how is, you know, right thought, right action, looking at your motives, really wanting to understand yourself that you might be better at empathizing with other people. That's very different than judging others as a way of knowing yourself indirectly. It seems like a safe and risk-free approach to knowing yourself is to judge somebody else, find their faults, and then hold yourself up against that. (laughs) It is so backwards. That's where the judge not lest you be judged stuff comes from. Right? It's judging other people, his character. There's a lot of judging that we do. That we just, is this right or wrong? Is this good or bad? Is this in my interest or not in my interest? We're constantly putting ourselves through this mental turmoil rather than just say, what is this? Can I accept this reality fully for what it is? And let the moment move forward. Let it continue to move on. Can I accept this exactly as it is for what it is? There's inordinate joy and happiness, peace and freedom in that level of acceptance. Uh, Now, that doesn't predict what you do with that situation. You can still initiate a response. Many people in the West 
are intimidated by that word acceptance. They're afraid it's uh, it feels too passive, as if there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just going to sit here and take it. Uh, acceptance is not the end of things. It's where you begin. You understand the difference? Acceptance is not... It, how could I say it differently? It's not the end of the story. It's not accepted and now just close the book on it. It's accepted, now walk up to the starting line. This is where you begin. Start here. Right? X marks the spot. Start here. This is mark go. Where do you start? Where do you go from? Fully accepting the reality of the situation you find yourself in. Okay? To, as we used to say in the 60s, get real. Just to, to, to be real about it, to be honest about it. All right? We do have these hidden agendas. They're hidden in that we haven't developed yet our awareness to the level that we understand them as deeply as we could. Wherever you are in your unfoldment and your evolution of consciousness, you can go deeper. Many wise women and men say the deeper you go, the more there is to know. Like Socrates, I believe, compared it, well, many mystics compare consciousness to the ocean, to an unlimited, unbounded ocean. And the more we know about what's in the ocean, the deeper and broader the ocean becomes. The more you know, the better questions you ask. Sometimes people say, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. But that's that whole idea of growing backwards. You know, the Benjamin Button, um, King Arthur's wizard Merlin was said to have lived backwards. The, the ancient Egyptians, when they trained in their mystery schools, you would enter as a hierophant. You would enter the academy as an expert, a hierophant. You would graduate many years later, after much study, as a neophyte, as a beginner. You see, the, the going from knowledge to wisdom is, uh, is backwards in many ways. I think it was Lao Tzu that said, to acquire knowledge, you add to what you know. To become wise, you take away. You begin to look instead at what you don't know. You put the emphasis on the question rather than having to have all the answers. And you use those questions to plumb the depths of why do I want to create this change? What's the real reason? Well, ultimately, we want to be happy. We want to be peaceful. And we want to be content. But... Those are not destinations. They are paths. They are the path. They are the Tao, the Dharma, the way, the via, the stairway to heaven, Jacob's ladder, the spine, the caduceus, the shishimna, the middle way, the third way. Happiness is the way. Peace is the way. Love is the 
the way, the ways and the means, the road, to a particular goal or destination. When we make happiness or love or peace the destination, we get things uh, out of order. We want to be successful so that we can be happy rather than be happy for no reason other than to explore the consciousness of happiness, deep relaxation and peace, meditation, contemplation and reflection. Creating a state of peace, love and happiness to create a successful outcome. Work with this. Again, note takers, write this down. Take this to your friends and get a discussion going. Ask people, do you think happiness? No, uh, try it this way. Do you think success creates happiness? Because I, I think a lot of people would agree with that. Say, well, yeah. And uh, get them talking about it and then say, well, does it make sense that Conversely, happiness would create success. Is it really a circular argument? Or is one, happiness versus success, more a means to attain the other? And the idea that we used to say in the anti-war community, I suppose it's still said, there is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Right? How do we stop this war? How do we get to peace? You see, well, you can't. There is no way to peace. It's just more war. But if you see, there is no way to peace. Peace is the way to create success, better and better. Whatever you see that outcome as being, then peace is the way. You just stop fighting now. Instead of spending two years in peace talks arguing about the shape of the table, as they did in Paris in the 70s. Peace is the way. Love is the way. A state of mind, a level of conscious awareness. Not just a good intention toward other people. And so it's a wonderful thing to put others ahead of yourself and to care about other people. But look at your agenda. Are you doing it unconditionally? A friend of mine talks about the difference. He's a relationship management expert and helps people develop their businesses based on developing your relationships with the people that you work with, that you work for, who work for you, with customers and and clients and vendors and jobbers and just all the people in the business, develop those relationships. Appreciation marketing or relationship management, it's often called. And uh, he talks about the difference between give to get and giving to give. And the latter, when you give to give, when you just want to do something for somebody else and you don't want anything in return, you don't expect anything back. You don't need any kind of recognition, right? In fact, you're better when you 
perform your acts of kindness and generosity anonymously. And don't tell anybody about it. Right? Otherwise, what are you getting back? You're getting back from others the recognition that, oh, you're so generous, or you're so holy, or you're so good. And we can behave that way, petitioning other people for acceptance and not even be aware of it. I'm, I'm asking us to take a look at our desire to change our behaviors and ask yourselves, who are we really doing this for? And to understand that you have to be clear on your identity and your motive for being before you can, in all good consciousness, uh, develop these relationships where you want to put other people ahead of yourself. Which self? And for what reason? It can be tricky. But if you've got a good, healthy relationship with the self, then you can give to give rather than give to get. Just give and let it go and release. Right? That frees you then to turn and look at your New Year's resolutions and say, well, I'm only going to consider what I really want for me rather than what these other people say they want for me or worse, what I think they want for me because so much of it is just, you know, we want to change ourselves based on some vague notion of what other people think. And we're not even specific about which other people and why they would think that way, we don't know. It's just this vague, non-specific fear of what they might think. Right? Were you raised with that? I certainly was. I had that so indoctrinated into me, I got such an overdose in my family of, of but, but what will other people think that I completely rebelled against it. I think in many ways, the, uh, the 60s, the hippies, the intellectual hippies, especially the compassionate, loving, smart, well-read, well-educated hippies. You can call anybody a hippie in a disparaging way and get away with it these days, but that was a counterculture movement. And those people may have cut their hair and gone to work and bought BMWs since the 60s, but those values are still there in those hundreds of millions of people who really rejected and rebelled in the 60s against this whole mindset we got after World War II as baby boomers about what will other people think. The great conformity, the grand consensus, my God, you better toe the line, right? And not draw outside the line. <laughs> you better stand in line and salute when you're told to salute. There's a lot of rebellion against that. Okay, so now you're free to think for yourself. So use that to understand yourself first and then other people. That'll put you in a much better position to be of real service to other people, needing nothing in return, giving to give, and at the same time free you when it comes to reflecting upon the need to grow yourself, 
to know yourself, to grow yourself, and then express that out into the world in service to help other people do the same thing, to know themselves and grow themselves, but you can't do it for them. You can only help them, right? In little ways, in your daily life and affairs. You know, you don't have to go out and save the world all by yourself. Think globally, act locally. Just be nice to the waitress that brought you the bad food. She didn't cook it. Ask for her help. Don't yell at her. <laughs> you probably had a hard day. Tell her you probably had a hard day. Give her an extra couple of bucks. What's it going to hurt? Right? You can only do for others to the extent that you really understand your ability and your motives for doing that, your identity and your motives. Who am I that I would do that and why? The more you understand yourself, the easier it is to have meaningful and loving uh, uh, relationships with other people. Right? Now, having said this, I want to talk about Let's say you've gone through a process like this and you've looked carefully at your identity and motives. You've asked yourself, why do I want to create this change, this commitment, this declaration to change my behavior? I'm going to look at my motives, um, not only for why I want to create this change, but what's the payoff? I think this is important too. What's the payoff I've been getting for not changing, right? Um, pull the veils back on this one. Expose to yourself with a little more reflection in a meditative or contemplative state on what's the payoff that I've been getting for not changing. Some part of me wants to change. I've wanted this for some time. This behavior is not changing. People do what they do because they're getting something for it. You're continuing that behavior, even if it is destructive. It, uh, it has some payoff. There's some reward. What is it? Understand it. Face it. Explore it. Look at it from all angles. And it'll be a lot easier for you to decide, am I really willing to put this down? Whatever it is I get out of this. Let's stay with the diet. What's the payoff for not going on the diet? Well, I get to eat these foods that I really like. So, and maybe get to eat them more often and more of them. I don't have to give up french fries. Right? I don't have to give up this or that. They taste good. I get uh, comfort. One of the big issues in eating, of course, is I've seen this in my life, all my life, um, that I'm not feeding my stomach with food so much as I'm feeding my heart. And we talk about comfort foods, you know, foods that are high in carbs and sugars that make us feel warm and create a glow inside. Especially with a glass of wine or two. <laughs> they make you feel comfortable. They, um, 
they meet an emotional need that goes far beyond the physical need to nourish yourself. Emotional eating. You know, you eat when you're not hungry or you find yourself grazing through the refrigerator, just standing there with the door open as if something in there is going to change <laughs> if you stand there long enough. So uh, to look a little deeper at what's been my payoff for not changing and to understand that you're at cross purposes with yourself, there's ambivalence here. It's not as easy as simply deciding to create the change, right? So why do I really want this? Who am I really doing it for? What's been my payoff for not changing? And then I think maybe most importantly today as we talk about making commitments to grow is understanding that imagination is more powerful than will. And yet you have to have both in alignment. You must have the willpower, the intention, the volition, the determination to say, I'm going to stop smoking cigarettes or I'm going to lose this weight or I'm going to go on this exercise program or I'm going to start walking to work every third day or whatever. It's one thing to use your will, your volition, your free will, or your willpower to set the goal. But if you cannot imagine it, if you have no experience rehearsing this new behavior in your mind, much less actually doing it, just thinking about doing it. If you don't have that and don't know to exercise your imagination, then it's quite likely at an unconscious level you're not imagining it. In other words, the conclusion is I can't imagine doing such a thing. You heard yourself form the willpower or the intention to do it but you did not hear or see uh, because it was still on an unconscious level the part of you that answers back immediately I can't imagine that and if you will something that you cannot imagine it's not going to happen unless by accident you can do things you haven't imagined accidentally. But in order, to, <laughs> in most cases, in order to succeed and do it repeatedly, uh, repeatedly and to get better and better at it, you must be willing to imagine yourself doing it. And then as you actually do it and get better at it, it becomes easier, of course, to imagine doing it because you already did it. To use the imagination first, before you've actually done a triple backflip on a trampoline, it'd be a good idea to do a double backflip or a single backflip. But imagine yourself doing it with your eyes closed, 
visualizing in a deeply relaxed level. I give you an example that was written a hundred years ago by Emile Coué, C-O-U-E. Emile Coué wrote a book called Suggestion and Autosuggestion in the 19-teens. And in this book, he describes willpower and imagination as synonyms for what they used to call the objective and subjective mind, today the conscious and subconscious. Okay, unconscious, we don't use, unconscious has pretty much been replaced, at least clinically, by subconscious. So the conscious mind wakes up in the morning, goes to sleep at night, has varying levels of awareness. The subconscious is working 24-7. Right, It breathes you and beats your heart and digests food and repairs and replaces cells and manages digestion and body temperature and blood pressure, all these, plus thoughts of its own, which you remember often as dreams when you awaken in the morning. Well, that used to be called the objective and subjective, or will and imagination. And Kuwait's story is, Um, suppose I put a board on the floor, a wooden board that's 10 inches wide and 20 feet long, and ask you to walk that board. To walk the length of this board that I just put on the floor here without stepping off. And you can imagine doing it, and and you choose to do that. I'm going to give you 50 bucks if you do it, so... Now we have the willpower, and you can easily imagine doing that. You could hopscotch on one foot down that board, 10 inches wide, and only 20 feet long. And so you have the will and the imagination. But if I put that board in the air 100 feet, you have the will. As I'm standing over there with the $50, I could make it, $50,000 or $5 million, it's not going to increase the likelihood that you're going to get to the other side. What determines now that the board is 100 feet in the air, whether you're able to walk to the other side, is can you control, can you manage your imagination? Because as you take your first step, you're going to look down and imagine falling. And if you focus on that and spend more time thinking about falling than you do thinking about what you really want to do, walk across this board without falling, you're going to fall. You spend more time thinking of yourself getting to the other side, you'll accomplish that. If you're really smart, you'll close your eyes before you begin and imagine that the board is still on the floor and that you've already done this and that it's no different than it was when it was on the floor. Just because it's 100 feet in the air, you consume yourself with the imagery, the imagined the visualized image, the imagination, see the word image in there, 
of what you do want of your goal and rehearse it over and over and over with affirmations like, I already did this. This is easy. Imagine you've already pocketed the $5 million. (laughs) And then open your eyes and walk the board without looking down. Just look forward a few feet. And uh, so it goes for any kind of habit control. If you declare, you make this commitment to yourself this week, I'm going to quit smoking cigarettes. But you can't imagine yourself, or you never have imagined yourself without a cigarette. Then what chance do you have of succeeding? But if every time you think of a cigarette... You think of how wonderful it feels not to be addicted to them any longer. How it feels to be able to breathe deeply without stabbing pains. Uh, how nice it is that you don't smell like an old ashtray and your, your house isn't going to stink anymore in your car. And that your taste buds are going to grow back and you'll actually be able to taste food again and enjoy the flavors many of them delicate, of all manner of food and drink, right? Not to mention what's going to happen in your lungs, and you imagine great health and your lungs turning pink and, and opening to the clean oxygen that you're going to be breathing in, right? Imagination is more important than knowledge, Albert Einstein said that imagination is more important than knowledge. Imagination is more important than willpower. Now, you've got to have the will, right? One without the other isn't going to work. You need both willpower and imagination. And notice that the imagination is more emotional than the will. The will tends to be the mental nature corresponding again to the conscious mind. The imagination tends to be more emotional in nature, corresponding to the subconscious mind. It's really the seat of the emotional nature. And this is the force behind the energy of will. If willpower or your mental nature is an energy, as I said before, the subconscious, the emotional nature, the imagination, is the force that drives it or pushes it. Okay. So I think that's the primary point, really, that I wanted to make today in talking about New Year's resolutions, besides the first three points I made about knowing yourself and and your identity and your motive and why you care and why you're really doing this. And and, uh, if you are doing it for somebody else, Right? Then do you have an agenda? Do you expect something in return? Are you setting yourself up for disappointment? Can you learn to give to give without needing to give to get? What's been your payoff in not changing the behavior till now? Explore that. Be unafraid of looking deeply and completely at the rewards and the benefits you get from maintaining 
a behavior you say you want to change so that you realize what it is you can identify clearly what it is you're going to have to let go of in order to make room for the new better behavior to come in. And then finally, understand the power of emotion, of the imagination, of your ability to feel like, I can do this. In fact, I'm in touch with how it looks and sounds and feels to have already accomplished this goal or solution. I'm already there and I'm immersed in it. I'm luxuriating in this outcome. I can feel it. And use that imagination as a force behind, a push, a drive behind your willpower. The choice that you've made to change this behavior. And rehearse it on a daily basis. Do a visualization exercise for just a minute. Imagine a 60-second meditation where you take a single slow, deep breath, relax. If you're able to close your eyes, fine. If not, because you're at work or school, just unfocus your gaze. Just look away. Unfocus your gaze as you do when you daydream. And you can visualize over the top of that. You can call upon a picture in your mind of you having already succeeded and feeling how it feels, topping off on the, the wonderful fulfillment that comes with having already accomplished what it is that you're creating now, moving toward, right? They say in the case of tobacco, for example, that the physical addiction is over in four days. Well, imagine four days of meditating, three more days, and I'll be completely past the physical addiction, and I'll feel like this. Can you imagine how you'll feel? Two more days, and I'll be on the other side of the physical addiction. It'll be purely mind over matter, all psychological at that point. And I'll feel like this, and you dream it up. You imagine how it's going to feel. Okay, And do it for you that you might be able to do for others. Again, I think that's a beautiful sentiment to do for others, to care more about others than yourself. People say it in a lot of different ways, but you've got to come from a healthy place to maximize your contribution to others. We talk about the oxygen mask on the airplane. Those things fall. They have to tell you every single time you get on an airplane, hey, by the way, if there's an emergency, you you got to take care of yourself first. You put this mask on you and then help other people. Right? Otherwise, this idea of I'm going to help myself by helping other people, and by helping other people, I can just sort of ignore the work I have to do on myself. There won't be any risk at all. I'll just change the world instead of changing me. Like that old Hindu proverb about covering the world with leather to protect my feet when I could have just put on slippers. We want to change the whole world so that we don't have to change. It's a very scary thing. And again, we're not talking about random change, lateral change, being different than who you are. We're talking about more 
of who you are, becoming more of of who you are. <laughs> There's no other way to say that. All right, uh, let's check our questions. Again, if you're on the telephone and you have a question for me, press star 2 on the touch uh, panel of your telephone, the asterisk and the 2 on the keyboard, and uh, I'll come to you in a second. If you're on the web and have a question or a comment, just type it into the box with your name and the city you're in, and be sure and hit the Submit button so I can see it. Hold on here. <laughs> John Bowles in Pittsburgh, aloha, from uh, the sofa. John is the king of the sofa today, so John, happy new year. Nice to hear from you. Uh, Phil Jaffe in Canoga Park, and... Uh, Let's see, he's talking about the Thursday night video group, which I have not been participating in, but I think that uh, there's about eight or ten people that meet there regularly, and you're welcome to do that also. And uh, that's the Zorap group, Z-O-R-A-P. Go to Zorap.com to register, and then Thursdays at uh, 7.30 Pacific, Go to Zorap.com slash mbenner. If you have a webcam, you can participate in the video conference. It's a tricky site, and uh, sometimes uh, sometimes it can be frustrating, but it's so cool when it works. I hope they pull that together. Um, let's see. Who else we have? Donna in Albuquerque says, Wow, Michael, what a great way to start a new year. I'll listen to this over and over till I get it. Thanks so very much. Happy New Year. Thank you, Donna. And um, let's see, also in Pittsburgh, John adds, um, you know how people have crying fits? Well, I'm having a real-life laughing fit. I uh, would love to call, but I can't stop laughing. That's an inside joke, John, and I have. Um but thanks for that. Appreciate that. And who else are we hearing from? Uh, in the Habra, Carol. Hello, Carol. She says, hello, Michael and Dorit. Also in Albuquerque, Diane. She says, uh, do for yourself so that you can do for others. Become more of who you are. Perfect class. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. Nice to hear from you, too. Um, okay, let's... Um, oh, we were going to check the phones. Uh, but I don't see any hands up. If you change your mind on that, press star two. I've got uh, real time about five after the top of the hour. Let's do a little visualization, uh, a guided imagery exercise about installing New Year's resolutions, making these commitments to yourself so that they really, really work. Basic mind science here, employing the imagination to reinforce the willpower. If you get comfortable, uh, this is a good time for you. Find a nice chair or cushion, a place to sit. Do a couple of uh, shoulder shrugs and some head rolls and get loose. <clears throat> 
you can either sit back and allow the chair to support you or sit back against the wall. Or you can sit erect, but rather than do so with tension, think of being not rigid, but rather balanced. Allow your shoulders to come back, to open up your rib cage. Balance your head on your neck and shoulders. Begin to just feel a, a melting feeling as stress and physical tension in your body falls away. Allow yourself to let go and to relax. To feel safe and drop the armor. Drop your guard, lower your defenses. Remind yourself that you're safe where you are. For the next 10 minutes or so, so safe that you can close your eyes, feel physically safe, having released all this muscular tension, let it fall away. feeling very safe and relaxed. And if you haven't already, take a nice, slow, deep breath, inhaling through your nose. Hold as you peek. And inhale just as slowly. Exhale just as slowly through the mouth or the nose. And after you've completely evacuated your lungs, then... Take a second or a third slow, deep breath, inhaling through the nose, if possible, pulling in strength and power. When you peak, hold for a moment, and as you exhale, do so just as slowly, but also fully beyond where you'd normally stop all the way out. And then let your breathing find its natural rhythm again. And you may want to imagine yourself in a beautiful place, a wilderness or a garden, the most beautiful, natural place you can imagine. And awaken all of your imaginary senses so that you not only imagine seeing the beauty of this nature place, this wilderness or this beautiful garden. Not only do you see it, but you can, allowing my voice to come with you, listen for the sounds, birds singing, for example. Maybe insects or other sounds, the wind and the trees. You can see this place of perfect peace. You can hear it as you allow my voice to go with you. You can smell the fragrances of the outdoors as if nature has perfumed the gentle breezes here. 
and in your body as you sit upon the earth, as you find one particular spot and feel connected, rooted, grounded into the earth. You feel this deep and abiding peace and contentment as if you're beginning to realize it's dawning upon you just how okay everything really is. In fact, beyond okay and all right and just fine, you may even begin to see that things are perfect in this moment exactly as they are. And that the things that concern you in your daily life and affairs at this point, as we come into this new year, and those so-called negatives that you may feel a need to manage, might be exactly what you need, exactly at the time you need it. And then again, may not affect you at all. So that in any event, you could consider accepting them as neither good nor bad, but that they just are what they are, circumstances, situations, and relationships neither good nor bad. You don't know something that you're thinking is going to be very positive may in the long run be positive, but for entirely different reasons than you ever imagined. You just don't know. And except that most of it our future, how it's going to line up, what's going to come out of this or that. For the most part, you just don't know. And so you accept that whatever comes your way, you'll make the best of it. Life is what you make it. Life is how you take it. Things tend to work out best for those who make the best of the way things work out. Life is what you make it and how you take it. And still, we can be mindful without being judgmental. We can hold gently in our minds as if fragile the ideals and outcomes that we see as being for the greater good of all concerned, the best for everyone. See, if you can conjure up a feeling that there is a cosmic wind at your back, that you're supported by life, and that life itself 
is conspiring to live through you. It wants you to live. It wants you to be alive, life does. It wants you to be healthy and strong that you might be better and better at expressing life. You are an agent of life expressing itself through you. Commit to being that channel or medium, that conduit for the expression of life out into the world for the greater good for life-affirming reasons. That life itself is sufficient unto life. And choose a particular goal or solution, an outcome while you're here. Something that you very much wish to manifest. And with your mental nature, with your ability to think for yourself, using your free will, your willpower, your intention, reformulate an image of this particular goal or solution, this desired outcome, and then bring to bear upon it your imagination. Feel strongly about it. Believe in it. Have faith. Then thirdly, add the rejoinder, provided this is for the greatest good of all concerned. So that this manifests for the greatest good of all concerned. Form the will or the intention. Use the imagination to feel strongly about it as if you already have it, as if it's a done deal. And underscore the process of will as an energy reinforced by imagination and faith by stating to yourself and the universe for the greatest good. So you can so that so that you can avoid the trap of using your spiritual powers, your siddhas, for the separated self without regard to the impact that it may have on others. And instead, use your siddhas, your spiritual powers, always for the greater good. Do your best to discern that. But turn it over to the higher self, to your over-soul, to your spiritual hierarchy, to your ancestors, to your, your guides and your angels, and to all the saints and sages. 
to God in all of its aspects for the greater good of all concerned. Keep that alignment. And extraordinary things will happen that will always remain unavailable to those who seek only to benefit the singular and separated self. As if that's all you wanted to be. That one lonely self. But in truth, all that is exists within you. Infinity and eternity in every cell, every molecule, every subatomic particle of your being, the entire universe is within. And allow yourself to consider that, to feel that, even if you can't think your way through it. You can't get your head around it. You can allow your heart to be filled by the thought that there is no separation, that love is consciousness is an inclusive magnetic field, an ocean of awareness. It contains all things, all possibilities, an infinite number of infinities from your particular point of view. And so again, reaffirm this particular goal or solution, this desired outcome, provided it's for the greatest good of all concerned. And feel a letting go like you would plant a seed, press the dirt down, water it, and walk away. And walk away, having turned the growth process over to a higher power. Feel a letting go like you'd release a helium balloon and watch it drift higher and higher, growing apparently smaller to your field of view as it moves off into the distance, drifting away, letting it go to travel where it must travel to manifest in the world. Feel, feel, feel that letting go, that turning it over to a higher power, that release. And turn your attention again to the sound of my voice and to the room in which you sit, which you'll see in just a moment after I ask you to open your eyes wide awake and alert. Commit yourself in this new year to bringing more peace, relaxation, safety, and love with you each time you meditate. To bring this, this peace and this expanded awareness with you into your waking state. And being better and better and better at that every time you do it. You do it effortlessly by forming the intention and imagining it being so. And feel the feelings of bringing this peace effortlessly, no holding on, 
all letting go, for it's everywhere equally present, this magnetic field, this matrix of love, truth, consciousness. So there's nothing to carry, no place to carry it to. Bring yourself back into the room as you inhale now, slowly filling your lungs. As you pee cold, exhaling now, slowly, and open your eyes now, wide awake and alert, back in the room, all rested and refreshed and looking forward to a brand new year, a brand new decade in 2011. Happy New Year to you. Um, thanks for being with us live today. Those of you who, uh, again, last week being the day after Christmas and today the day after New Year's Day, the live attendance is down a little bit. And yet I really, really appreciate the group, the group energy, getting your comments. And I'm sure we'll be able to use the phone more in the future. I'd really like more questions in the future. I'd like to even do programs from time to time that are nothing but discussion. People calling on the phone, like the old radio programs. There's no reason we can't do that, especially if you get your friends here live. But the podcasts are very cool. Again, pick it up at the iTunes store if you don't have it yet. There's like 60,000 podcasts out there in the world, and they're sorted into these different genres. So it could be a habit, uh, or rather a hobby you want to know about. There's a Freudian slip. Uh, you just learning to play the piano, get a podcast on learning to play the piano. If you just got a dog, there's podcasts on dogs. Uh, all kinds of wonderful things that, that you can do, uh, that you can listen to and subscribe at the iTunes store. And um, iTunes is a free download for the PC and the Mac. You can also subscribe at our websites uh, and any of the podcast directories on the Internet. Uh, their search engines have been a problem for me. That's why I keep recommending iTunes, even if you only use it to um, aggregate, they say, the podcasts as a pod catcher, and don't even use it to organize your music. You may have a system for that. It's a great pod catcher. And by the way, I really, uh, somebody was going to do this for me the other day, and maybe they haven't gotten around to it, but if you uh, already have an account with the iTunes store, you can leave a comment there or at any of the other podcast directories where you may have subscribed to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School class. Uh, leave a comment there. Those things really help drive traffic. People see that. It's like a, a testimonial or, or an endorsement, and especially if they get updated, if there's new ones there. Um, Again, I think there's more traffic going through the iTunes store than all the other podcast directories on the Internet combined. So if you can leave, just like you've seen them on Amazon.com, and uh, people who bought this also bought these, you know, uh, they have that uh, at the iTunes store too. People who listen to this podcast also like these podcasts. And so the comments really help. If you'd uh, do that for me, I'd really appreciate it. Give us a good rating and then just tell the truth about what you like about the program. Okay? 
Thank you for that. Again, Happy New Year. Oh, we do have a call here, and I've got plenty of time. Let's see. Real time, it's 26 after. Let's go to the phones in Los Angeles and uh, see who we have. Hi, you're in the Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hi, who's this? Maybe I didn't unmute. Let me try it again. Now I think I've got it unmuted. Hi, you're in the Mystery School with Michael. Hi, Michael. This is Virginia Jimenez here in Los Angeles. Hey, hi, Virginia. (laughs) Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. I just I've saw been... your uh, the hand go up on my console there. I almost missed you. I know. I was I was um, clicking pound two instead of start two. Oh, okay. So <laughs> that's why I was late. <laughs> that's okay. But uh, thank you. It was a very helpful class as usual. And I'm working myself on my goals and resolutions. And um, when you mentioned that we have to look at what our motivations are for doing or for wanting what we want, what what the motive behind is, uh, and you mentioned, you know, we have to make sure uh, uh, there's not like a personal agenda. I just wanted to add that sometimes um, I think there might not be an obvious agenda, but rather um, uh, a subconscious we might subconsciously want to run away from ourselves, like not dealing with ourselves, like doing or giving to others might be our excuse for not dealing with, you know, with with ourselves. Um, Kind of like feeling the homeless and then coming home and not having food, you know, in the refrigerator or for your own family or... um, So... I, I think I, I think Diane from Albuquerque said that you know have, we have to take care of ourselves first um, before we can uh, give others. So I guess in terms of goals, whether it's losing weight or or quitting smoking, yeah, you know, are we doing it for for um, um, for ourselves? Uh, I guess that's not a good example, but. Um, I hope I made sense. <laughs> yeah, you did. You're talking about running away from a self that we fear. And, right. you know, I think a lot of that comes from the uh, misunderstanding of um, the Judeo-Christian concept of sin. And if we think of ourselves as sinners and the more orthodox religious people like to emphasize what bad, horrible uh, people we ultimately are, that God created these evil creatures and that there is some battle for our soul between um, good and evil, between God and Satan. Um, As an allegory, the struggle is more between spiritual values and material values. And Satan, to somebody who's more oriented toward metaphor and allegory, we see as our own self-destructive, egoic nature, our ego, the the fear-based self. So if we identify with our fears rather than our dreams, and we think primarily we're sinners, we're bad people uh, that can't be trusted, uh, in need of some kind of 
uh, redemption in order to get to heaven, then a lot of our behavior is going to be based on this idea that we're really bad and at the very least inadequate and insufficient and um, undeserving. And now we're back to what would other people think? And we put our lives up for a vote and we're constantly polling, it seems, and assessing other people to see how we're doing. And uh, (laughs) if I look back on my process in that regard, not only was I petitioning other people to see, you know, how I was doing based on how, how receptive they were to my appeal, but I didn't even give myself a vote. Like, everybody got a vote in who am I and how am I doing, what kind of person I am. Everybody had a vote in that except me. I, didn't, I thought I was biased and I didn't deserve any say-so. And one night I had a dream that life was a dream, that my life was being dreamed up by all these other people, but that I was not participating in the dream. And I woke up from the dream and realized exactly what I had been doing, that I needed to turn it around, that I, 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 I still care and I will always care about other people and how they feel and what they think. But my first responsibility to myself is to know myself. And most people don't. Right. And to have the skills to do that. And most people aren't even looking because they're afraid that if they knew themselves, they'd find a sinner. And, you know, if we look at the old uh, translation of the word, I believe it's an Aramaic word. It might be an old Greek word, but um, I've been told, I've learned from a number of sources that sin really means a mistake or to miss the mark like you shoot an arrow trying to hit the bullseye but maybe you go wide uh, and you just you tried but you missed the mark well that's very different from you bad person you 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 horrible evil person I think that's what we're essentially afraid of discovering that we really uh, we really and and then if we come out of uh, a dysfunctional family childhood was a lot of uh, criticism and being punished and told that we're bad now you've got the church saying you're evil and your parents saying you're bad um, that's a lot to that's a lot to deal with mm-hmm. yeah and it doesn't mean that behind our actions there's always like a personal hidden agenda right there might be a subconscious agenda that is based on our fears but we are not really um, doing or giving just with the intention that this is, you know, I'm doing this for my own personal gain. But maybe unconsciously it's just like we're just afraid and running away from <laughs> from something. There's there's just this orientation to the world that is somewhat like believing that you are the reflection in the mirror. You know, the man in the mirror, that's me. That's uh, When I look at my relationships and the world around me, that's a reflection of who I am. Mm. I can learn something about myself from other people. 
and the events and circumstances in my life. But essentially, that's a reflection, just like the man in the mirror. If we meditate, however, contemplate, close our eyes, breathe and relax, focus our attention gently and go inside, in our hearts, as our emotional nature becomes calm, and our thoughts become increasingly quiet, there is a wisdom that stands above all of that. A still body, a quiet mind, and a calm heart. There is a resonance, a frequency. It's like there's radio stations up there. There's information up there. There's ways of knowing and understanding intuitively that transcend anything we could think or feel emotionally. And that's where the know thyself and to thine own self be true really comes from. That's where the, the, your conscience stands out as a part of consciousness, your conscience, you know, your values and your ethics. And, but to access that when we're in normal awareness with our eyes open, ten thoughts demanding our attention, all the stimulus of the outer world that we're focused out into that, there's not much chance of understanding ourselves when we're in that external mode. Uh, we live in a house of mirrors, and it's uh, worthwhile pondering that idea that, that uh, we're looking at a reflection of life. Life is a reflection of spirit. Mm-hmm. Just like a movie, I'm... you don't think of this, but when you sit in a the movie theater... The the source is behind you. The source of the movie is is behind you. You're just looking at a reflection on the wall. Well, that's what reality is. It's mm-hmm. a reflection of our consciousness and our awareness. Mm-hmm. And yet we're afraid to fully realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of movies, like also dealing with wanting to see what hurts within us. It makes me think I saw the King's speech yesterday. I don't know if you've seen it. The King's speech about George VI and his... Um, no. Well, he's, this is uh, George VI, the King of England. Um, he becomes the King of England, right? And yeah. he has his stammers. His stammers? No, I don't know stammers. the story. Oh, okay, well... So he's he becomes a king and he can't uh, he can talk he can give speeches because he's stammers he just like freezes, so he goes um, and he's been treated by treated by it but um, he doesn't want he wants uh, to have the treatment be about the mechanics of speech rather than the psychological causes for uh-huh. that are causing the 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 speech impediment. Right. So, you know, eventually. So we sometimes, that's what I was talking about, like running away from ourselves. If we don't deal with, you know, um, there's some painful things sometimes that we might have to deal with. And yeah. unless we deal with, with that, we're not going to be able to give to others with compassion because we don't give to ourselves. The irony is that that pain comes from our resistance to knowing it. And our willingness to feel the pain 
long enough to understand it, explore it fully, that that's the way out. The only way out is through. Exactly. The mm-hmm. only way out is through. So when we turn and face it and move into the pain, that's when it diminishes. It's as if some pain center in the brain is saying, oh, well, if you're going to pay attention to me, I can back off. You see, I just amped up that pain because you've been ignoring it, whether it's emotional pain or physical pain. It's our resistance to the pain that increases and enhances the pain. What an irony. Mm-hmm. You see? Right. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about that in Maui, and I'm very excited about that. We will, especially in the initial uh, the clearing days, the first two days, we're going to do, um, uh, again, we we can't accomplish in a week what uh, it takes many lifetimes to accomplish. It's not about accomplishing, it's about learning skills and moving in a direction, taking those skills with you, and then continuing an accelerated process of self-discovery, self-realization, discovery, and development. So you're going to learn practical tools and techniques and we'll create some momentum and then you can continue the process um, when you return to the mainland and have the experience to draw upon um, in those most difficult times when you might be, you know, facing some real challenge in your life or, emotionally hurting or just frustrated because you're trapped in a traffic jam on the 405 and you know you're going to be very, very late for your appointment. Uh, A little bit of paradise that you can pull upon to reorient yourself and from the elevated perspective of mindfulness, understand how this situation resolves itself. So much of our lives are just fine the way they are, but we complicate and confuse ourselves and our lives by believing we have to micromanage everything. Um, We have to make decisions about what to do about this and what to do about that, and then what do we do if this happens? It hasn't yet, but it might. Or what if that happens? Or what about this? And then we're solving problems that don't even exist <laughs> and and never would exist if we didn't put our attention on them. You know, a problem is what you see when you take your eyes off the goal. So to put our eyes back on the goal, and, you know, I, I, you have to look at the negative every once in a while. It's like driving a car. Most of the time you look at the horizon. But every once in a while you want to look at the area just in front of your car and look a little lower and check out your dashboard. Make sure you don't have any lights or gauges that indicate problems. And then back maybe at the area just in front of your car. But we dwell on the horizon. Right. So our thinking needs to mostly be positive. Every once in a while you check out the negative, see if there's something to learn but then to put our attention back on the positive and yet feel as if life is conspiring with us. Life is on our side. 
It's not working against us. Everything we need is being supplied. And and if life is anything, it's growth and it's it's healing and it's expansion and getting better all around us and the struggle that people keep talking about, life being such a hamster cage or, you know, treadmill, life being such a struggle, that's our response to it. You know, we don't have to push the river. We don't, the, the Buddhist says in the spring, the grass grows. You don't, you don't need to get out there and coach the grass. You don't really need to fertilize your lawn every spring. You don't need to do a thing. It'll, <laughs> it grows. And so to our lives unfold, perhaps in a much more perfect order than we appreciate. We're just making things hard for ourselves with our negative thinking and our worry and our anxiety. And again, the fact that we're looking into a mirror and we're a lot of what we do, we do backwards. We get things turned around. Our cause and effect is, is backwards. You know, we do our thinking in response to a circumstance rather than seeing the circumstances, a reflection of our thoughts and feelings and the consciousness behind it. So, uh, in many ways, this stuff can be very, very complex, but it's important that we identify the really simple concepts here, like turn your life around. You're not simply a victim. I don't mean you, you Virginia, but any of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're aware of the feeling of life being done to us, but let's deliberately cultivate a feeling of what happens when we identify life moving from us or through us out into the world um, that changes everything now it's a two-way street but we're much more empowered much more responsible yeah and like you said when you come to that realization it it's just the beginning you are just a neophyte right yeah that is the beginning start that's here comforting yeah. that's great yeah. yeah thank you virginia thank you michael happy new year likewise thank you See you next month. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, it's hard to believe that uh, it's coming up so quickly. But the retreat, the Maui Mindfulness Retreat, is scheduled for February 13th through the 18th. And uh, we do have some spots. And this is a Walden-like experience, a mindfulness retreat. And as I was saying to Virginia, there will be in the first two days of this five-day intensive some work on clearing, getting rid of some of the false assumptions, many of which can be traced to the lies we told ourselves about ourselves as little children, that we weren't smart enough or strong enough or talented enough Uh, because we were not able to please our parents as often as we wanted in order to feel loved. So the failure to get the love that we need as kids causes us to make a lot of false assumptions that we carry into adulthood. It's really that simple. So we're going to begin with clearing techniques to become aware of these programs, these tape loops, that are running around inside our heads so that we can release them. And then set some new goals and um, 
organize our thoughts and feelings, understand a little about will and imagination and the law of attraction and how to magnetize for the greater good those uh, particular thoughts and feelings, seeing consciousness is the magnetic agent for that. It's so much easier to change the way you think and the way you feel when you come from a place of consciousness. If you believe you are your thoughts and feelings, it's pretty hard to manage them. <laughs> you become a victim of them. Uh, it's as if you're riding shotgun and your thoughts are driving the car. They want the mental nature ought to be riding shotgun and consciousness should be steering the car. And uh, that's so big and so important that to be mindful of it is what the bulk of the retreat is about. Days three, four, and five will be focused on learning to form the intention to pay attention to the miracle of the unfolding moment, to find the peace and the joy and the happiness in accepting life uh, without, again, as a place to begin, not as an end, um, a place to launch, to initiate, um, rather than, to, you know, acceptance is not just laying down and taking it, but X marks the spot. This is the treasure. This is where you begin. And so many problems, you just sidestep when you stop judging them as circumstances or situations that are right or wrong. It's it, it, You don't know. You just don't know. This thing that you think is so disastrous just might be a blessing in disguise. In fact, what if it always is a blessing in disguise? And this thing that seems so wonderful, well, it might end up being wonderful, wonderful uh, and fortuitous, but for entirely different reasons than you had imagined. But and have a hard time manifesting and coming through for you because you had judged it as being beneficial for other reasons. All that judgment, is this good, is this bad? Is this right or is this wrong? Um, there are times when you need to do a little bit of that. But there's also the power, the extraordinary power that comes from accepting things as they are without judgment. Say, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I know that it is. And I'm going to maintain this mindfully detached perspective because it's elevated. It's an expanded point of view. And as long as I refuse to judge and remain mindful in the moment, it's like an athlete maintaining their balance and their center of gravity. You can now go in any direction. Just maintain your balance and stay over your center of gravity. You find this in the martial arts, in Tai Chi in particular, and in Taoism, this idea of flow and coming always from a balanced place. Right? We make life so much more difficult than it needs to be. And you can recognize that as you learn to become mindful, to bring your attention back from the stories you tell the stories you tell yourself the stories you tell other people 
the stories about the past, the fears of the future, and those stories. And as soon as you realize you're doing it, breathe, let it go, and bring your attention back to your physical sensations. What do I see when I look right now, right here? What do I hear? What do I taste and smell? What about internal sensations in my body? Right? And just stay in the moment, experiencing reality in the moment. There will be times you need to turn your attention to other things. You've got to go pay some bills. You've got to go solve this problem. But even that we can learn to do mindfully. Wash the dishes. We were talking a few weeks ago about cleaning house as a, as a mindfulness meditation. You know, washing the dishes mindfully. Doing the dirty laundry mindfully. That is, when you wash the dishes or do the laundry or play your musical instrument, you do it with a relaxed attention focused on what you're doing right now rather than normal consciousness which is doing one thing on autopilot while your mind wanders off into the past and the future and no wonder we're so stressed so confused and so frightened do it to ourselves it's unnecessary well, thanks very much for being here. Thanks for participating. And uh, we hope to see you. You'll join uh, Virginia, Steve and me, and the others who've already signed up. We're a go. Uh, we've uh, been talking to the, uh, to, the, to the chef about the food. We're going to have delicious meals. And uh, it's all on the website if you just visit Focused Passion. Dot com, the W's dot focused passion dot com or the ageless wisdom dot com, our sister website, the W's dot the ageless wisdom dot com. And at either of those sites, click on the big colorful button that says Maui Retreat. Check it out. Several pages, lots of nice pictures. Uh, the whales are here now, so it's going to be the peak whale season, when you come here in the middle of February, you'll hear them at night. This uh, mindfulness retreat is on 70 privately owned acres. It'll just be us on this 70-acre plot in uh, northwest Maui, right on the shore, uh, 1,100 feet of shoreline, a bluff that overlooks the ocean. And so you'll hear those whales at night. And... Um, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, an exercise in mindful awareness and profound peace and relaxation and, and the skill sets, as I said before, that you'll be able to take you take with you back to the mainland and use for the, the rest of your life. And that pun is intended. It's a life-changing experience. If you really want to prepare for it, read Walden probably haven't read it since high school, Thoreau's Walden, and why he went to the woods to learn to live deliberately. That's what it's all about. We're going to live deliberately, consciously, with awareness. Don't waste a minute of this precious life 
in form. Again, appreciate you being here. Mahalo from Maui. Happy New Year as we move into 2011, New Year, New Decade. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui.